Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Thanks for joining us on Believe's Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. I'm Will Vandervoort. We're excited to have you listening, and we're excited about this week's podcast as we look back at Clemson's 73-7 beatdown of Georgia Tech and discuss how good this year's Clemson team really is. Also, with Syracuse coming to Death Valley on Saturday, how competitive will the Orange be against the top-ranked Tigers? LeVon will also explain how a player tries to stay focused even a week when they are favored by so many points. Speaking of who's favored, the Big Ten is finally back this week as it begins a full week of games. And though you might not be able to attend those games this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your sports book experts. Welcome to Vaughn, man. How you doing, buddy? How's this, how's this week been going for you? Ah, oh, man, it's a great week, especially football-wise. Uh, you know, our teams won, the Steelers and the and, and Clemson Tigers, man. So it was a really good week. Interesting to see some things happen, like North Carolina losing to Florida State. I didn't really see that happening. But that goes to tell you that you really never know when it comes to any sport what team is going to show up and what team is not, especially with a higher-ranking team or the team that's supposed to be the dog is um, playing away. They're going to an environment, hostile environment. And when you give team a team a momentum and they have some pretty decent players, you just never know. And North Carolina was trying to fight back and just couldn't do it at the end. And that's why when you have a team that you're supposed to be superior to, you're supposed to win that game. And you're supposed to not let up. You're supposed to beat them early and let them know what time it is. But North Carolina didn't do that. And when it came for them, time for them to make a big play, they weren't able to make the big play. Yeah, upsets. Um, They're going to happen in college football every week. We know that's going to happen at some point. Somebody's going to lose. They're not supposed to. There's a couple this week I think is going to happen. And the interesting part of this week, LeVon, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this before we dive too much into uh, Clemson, um, is the Big Ten's going to start this weekend. You know, this yes. is their first week. They're getting back into the mix. And so the rhetoric is already out there, okay? that and i'm hearing it on the national talk shows on espn and all this stuff and other podcasts like ours should the, the, there be issues with covid19 as we've seen at every single conference to this point and keep in mind as i say this the big 10 is supposed to go eight straight weeks and they have no backup plan in other words if a team can't play that week that game is forfeited or postponed mm. or however you want canceled or however you want to say it I don't know how they're going to handle that, but what it sets up is there's a situation, okay, where you could have a ACC champion with 12 play who played 12 games. You can have an SEC champion who possibly could play 11 games, and you know, and then maybe a, an at-large team that would be in that same range, whether he's from the SEC or the ACC, which right now seems to be what might happen. And then you could have a champion from the Big Ten or Pac-12 that if everything that's happened at every conference we've seen where games have been postponed, they have no wiggle room to make up any games. 
they could be sitting there with a Big Ten champion with only playing five or six games. Right. Now, my question I ask you is this. Should that team make the playoffs? Wow. That, now, that is a tough question. And I think the solution would probably be it's going to be objective. And you're going to look at a team like Ohio State, for instance, and look at the eye test. Do they look like the best team regardless if they only play five games? Would that be absolutely fair? I don't think it would be fair. Mm-hmm. But I feel that uh, a team like Ohio State, say they go 5-0, and oh, they're already hyped to be the either second or third best team. They haven't played a game. They're ranked in the top five. So it's not going to really be about fairness. It's going to really be about do they look the part to play in a playoff game and do they, could they, you know, could we get people to come to that game, which in COVID is going to be tough, but I think it's going to boil down to that. I think it's going to be like, well, only cause they only played five games Well, they would have beaten so-and-so and they were beating so-and-so and they're better than these other teams that played more games. So I think, in that in that factor that they're going to look at, they're going to just give them the eye test. I think the Pac-10, even if they win five games or all their games, it's going to be tough for them to get in. It's going to be tough, especially if they have to forfeit a game or two. It's going to be really difficult for them to get in. So if Ohio State, if they win all their games, no matter what happens, they're going to find themselves in the playoff situation. Well, and so now earlier you said it's not fair. Now, I know, I think me and you are on the same lines here of why it's not fair, but tell me why you think it's not fair. Like, why why wouldn't it be fair for, you know, a 5-0 and or 6-0, and uh, excuse me, Ohio State or Penn State to uh, not make the playoffs? Why would or, – or to make the playoffs in this question? Why would it not be fair? Well, I think because they really didn't have to go through some of the challenges that maybe an ACC team has to go through through this this pandemic that we're having, you know, trying to make sure everybody's on protocol or uh, whatever. And for you to just kind of say, hey, we're going to play five games, we're going to slip in, I think it's kind of tough to justify to ACC or the SEC who played more games, put their teams at more risk than a team that's kind of just slipping in. It may not have to play that many games. Uh, could be in a case where players are all healthy, they're doing well. I, I think it would be, for me, that is the unfair part about it. I'm sure somebody else may have a counterpoint to that, but you did ask me for my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Yeah, and, and also I bring up, and what I, I'm, I'm with you on the same thought, is also the in a regular year, the wear and tear on a player – who has to play 12 games as opposed to a player who only plays six. I mean, it's, you know, right. th- there, there's more chance for injury. There's more soreness. There's more everything, you know, that goes into it. And, and keep in mind, here's what a lot of people aren't talking about is that this year, the playoffs are going to be like 10 days right after the conference championships when usually it's almost a month. Now there's only right. like one week in between yeah. these guys. And then they're playing, a, they're playing in the playoff game. So, that's even a bigger deal why a team who's only played six games as opposed to a team who's only played 12 because of the wear and tear and soreness of a body, right? Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point that you bring up now. You're almost talking NFL kind of playoffs here. 
when you're talking about, hey, you play one week after the next week until there's a Super Bowl and whoever wins. And even in the Super Bowl situation, it's usually two weeks time. So they understand, they have the sensitivity about that. But yeah, if you're a college student, you're not accustomed to playing that long. And now you have to now play a game with high stakes as a championship. I think it could be a disadvantage for a team that's played a longer schedule and a gruelinger schedule, I guess. Yeah. So we, we kind of see eye to eye on that one. So hopefully the uh, playoff yes. committee will see eye to eye as well, because I just don't, I'll be honest with you, man. I don't even think at eight games they deserve to make it, but Hey, we'll give them that. Cause to me, it's like when you took your ball and went, went somewhere else to play. And then all of a sudden you come back in the play playground when you see everything else is going well, well, that's on you. Yeah. You don't get to come back in and tag in automatically and say, we're back. Come, everybody come play yeah. with us. No. It's kind of like they backpedaled from their decision. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of, it was kind of a wait and see how everything went. And because they got so much criticism mm-hmm. from not only the media, but they also their fans and most importantly, the players and the parents. So I, I think they were just like, wait a second, maybe we thought we were making the right decision. Uh, maybe we didn't, and now we need to get back in. And, you know, it's a rush, you know. And like you said, I mean, and really that area, the Big Ten, you know, COVID, which is spiking all over, it's really spiking in those areas. So that's a big concern. And not having a backup plan is going to be devastating you know what if you can't play two games i mean or something like that mm-hmm. that's going to be devastating to the program and also to those conferences yeah it is and it's and the thing about all of it is we it's all about you know you want the kids to play and you want them to be safe and that's what it comes down to and and you right. hope they get to do that um as much as they can um but anyway we'll talk more about that as we go along through this season man but first thing we need to talk about here is we um kind of look back at the Atlanta game, uh, excuse me, the game in Atlanta against Georgia Tech was the 73-7 to beatdown. Now, you yeah. guys had some good games with Georgia Tech, man. They they were always physical, good, close football games, went down to the last second. I remember that one in um, 1991 here at Death Valley yeah. uh, where uh, I think Anthony Simmons blocked the field goal at the last second, a Scott Sisson field goal. It, it, was, Wayne, it was Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then we played them the year before, and we were down by two, I think. Mm -hmm. And we tried a ridiculous 61-yard field goal, but Kadaki wasn't he wasn't that he wasn't that far off. Mm -hmm. If he'd been anyway in the range of the 50, he would have he would have nailed that. But that's the same year they won the national championship. So those teams were really competitive and very good teams and you know, actually, you can you can put Virginia in that mix. You can put NC State in that mix. People talk badly about the ACC, but it wasn't always, you know, uh, I, I mean, it's always been a basketball conference, but there was some good football along the way, too. Oh, absolutely, there was. Yes. And and that's why and, – and, and here's what I thought when I looked at that game last week was I saw going into it – we talked about this last week on the podcast. I thought it was – this was a more a better Georgia Tech team. I thought it was a Georgia Tech team that would compete better. I think I think it's a program that I think is getting better. Um, but yet, and remember, they came off a win where they put fifty up on Louisville just the right. week before. 
and they were playing with a lot of confidence. They were healthy. This wasn't a banged-up team like Clemson got two, two years ago when they beat Louisville by 61 or when they played Wake mm-hmm. Forest and beat them by 60. Those teams were banged up. Like, they had players missing. And it was like this Georgia Tech team had nobody missing. They were playing right. with a lot of confidence. They were a program on the rise. And Clemson just went in there and absolutely abused them. I mean, that was the most impressive – win I have ever seen by any Clemson team. I don't care who they played because of the way they just went in there and said, we're better than you. We're going to show you on every single play. Well, honestly, it probably could have been a hundred to seven to be quite frank with you. Georgia tech, like you said, they are improving. Mm -hmm. They're, they're a better team. And I think, you know, you got to give Collins a little credit for rebuilding this team and restructuring this team because you take the Paul Johnson era and you're talking about the the wishbone, basically the option area. Now, you know, you can't really compete running that. <laughs> you really can't uh, because teams know it now. But I think that you came in, you, you never could see them, Clemson scoring 73 points on them. But I think Clemson does what a dominant team should do. They they go in there and they play up to their standards. They don't play down to any other team. They play up to what they think is the best standard. And it was clearly on display on Saturday. Honestly, Georgia Tech was just outclassed, especially up front. And you saw it on Clemson's defense, how they could get penetration, how they were able to uh, rush the passer, but also how they were able to run down plays, how they were able to uh, get some significant interception. And the one that Nolan got, that was a great interception. I mean, just really playing his responsibility. So you see the upside of Clemson University, but you also see the veteran like a Trevor Lawrence put on full display what he's all about. This is the reason why this guy is probably the first pick in the NFL draft going on the last three years because he understands offense. He understands defense. And you can't give him an inch. If you give him an inch, he is going to take advantage. And that's exactly what Clemson did. They just took advantage of a team that is growing in a lot of ways, that's getting better. But – Quite frankly, they're just not there yet. They're not there, and it's going to take them a while to get to Clemson's level. Matter of fact, I think Clemson is going to have to go down some levels for teams in the ACC and other teams in the country to even catch up with them. And my, in my opinion, they're on a very high level now. And it's not just the five-star guys they're getting. They're developing players that you may not ever hear of that come in the next year, you're like, whoa, where did he come from? Mm-hmm. Like, um, like Spectre on the defensive side, he's a grad, he's a he's a graduate, and he is playing lights out football. Some other linebackers they have, I mean, Venables, Jay, those other guys that are not the five-star guys are being developed, and that's the difference I feel that Clemson has the advantage over other teams. You know, like uh, you can build a team, and you know, after four years, they're good, but then you're done for the next year. 
mm-hmm. is not the case in Clemson. No matter who they're replacing, no matter who uh, guys are going to draft, they still have another guy that you never heard of that comes in and just takes up the spot. And when you look at the performance last week, and everybody talks about Trevor Lawrence, and deservedly so, five touchdown passes, 404 yards. Ironically, uh, the same area code number as Atlanta, 404. Um, right. And he's from that area. I don't know if you could script that any better. <laughs> you know, nah. they, you know, they hit that number like that. I mean, that's just – that's crazy. Uh, I know the one thing – other thing you can't script either is the passes that he throws. Yeah. I mean, they're they're on the money. That one to Amari Rodgers in the corner the of the one to Amari Rodgers, almost like a seven route. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just right there. I mean, it's just a perfect pass. A guy had pretty decent coverage like we talked about before in the Citadel game, but it's just right there. And then if you give him Amari uh, Rodgers going to the post and you do something simple and Amari gives a, does a good job of stemming like he's going to go outside, goes back inside, and he throws it, I mean, just around the money. And I'm always amazed when a quarterback can do that. I think it's an amazing position. But this kid definitely has a abundance of talent. He can do a lot. Um, I told my sister, I told my little sister that, you know, he's almost a guy that you draw up when you're playing Madden or you playing with NCAA and you can make up your players and you can <laughs> give them the height, the weight, their hair color, all that. He's that guy. If you were creating a player on those games, he would be the guy you probably have at quarterback. <laughs> That's great, man. Great yes. metaphor. I like that. The mm-hmm. uh, the but I also want to talk about the the play of the defense because again I thought because the offense plays so well the defense got overshadowed and that's okay because that's what you want really because that means people aren't scoring points. Um, they gave up only two hundred ten yards, gave up seven first downs. Uh, Georgia Tech was two of fourteen on third down, um, zero for three on fourth down, had five sacks, uh, forced three turnovers. I mean, I could go on and on. I think they averaged 2.8 yards per rush. All those numbers, what does that tell you? How dominant they were on defense the other day. They were dominant. And keep in mind, the offense was scoring at will and scoring fast, so they were on the field a lot. And Georgia Tech still only didn't have anything but 210 yards. And I know a lot of times the ACC gets a lot of flack for maybe being a weak conference and Clemson being dominant. But they are also in the ACC. So that means that the stat lines that you were given, they should be better than that. Mm -hmm. They should be better than that. They should be able to get more first downs. Um, They should be able to score more than seven points. They should be able to rush for more than 2.8. And also, they should be able to get a fourth and one. And it wasn't even close. (laughs) So what what does that tell you? That tells you that this defense is playing at a very high rate because they're not playing a high school team. They're playing a team that's in the ACC. And although they may get beat, they should be able to do some things well or do something better than what they did. And, yeah, I I think this defense is not really getting the praise it should get. And when you have a two-Heisman trophy candidates on the other side is a little hard to get the attention of course but yeah they're playing well and I have to say I'm really 
impress what their secondary is doing and their linebackers because that was a little bit of a concern, um, especially even after the Virginia game. You kind of wonder a little bit. But these guys are really playing at a high level, and you can see them growing game by game, really even down by down, that they're confident in what they're doing. And being a defensive guy like you, it was uh, it was wonderful to see. It really was. Well, uh, now we kind of we'll kind of transition into, and we sort of mentioned that while we were discussing that. But how good is this Clemson team? I mean, they beat Miami. Probably could have beat Miami seventy three to seven. To be honest with you, they go in there and do what they did to Georgia Tech, who we both agree is a much improving Georgia Tech team. Um, they really haven't been in any – even when they didn't play their best, they still won by three touchdowns against Virginia. Right. I mean, how good is this Clemson team? Is this – can we say this team has the potential to be better than the 16 and 18 Clemson teams? Well, as the evidence they, that they're giving us right now, you have to say that undoubtedly they're the number one team in the country. You know, you see what they're doing offensively and defensively, special teams-wise. It's a really complete team. And I don't care who you are. If you look at them, the eye test tells you that they're the number one team. Now, they the story is yet to be told because you got to play some more games and you'll see how things play out. But at this point in time, I think they're clearly the number one team without any argument. I think years before – you know, there was always argument, you know, weak schedule. Um, Trevor Lawrence is not doing this. They're not doing this. I think this year is hard to argue that they're not the number one team. I think even if you had a full schedule of no pandemic, everything is going, you know, everything is going as steady. I think you would, I think it's a, it would be a hard argument for you to say, that the Clemson Tigers are not the number one team in the nation. So at this standpoint, after five games, they're clearly the best team. Like I said, we have to wait and see how the story ends. But at this point in time, uh, there's no doubt that this is the best team going on at this at this stage of college football. Yeah, and, and I know some people have thrown this out there and I've seen it on College Football Live and stuff like that. You know, is, you know, Alabama, after what they did with Georgia, how impressive was that win? Yes, that's a good win for Alabama. There's no doubt. Putting 41 points on that defense was was impressive. There's no doubt about that. But we see there's a weakness on Alabama, and that weakness is their defense. They give up points. They give up yards. They, they don't look like a typical Alabama defense right now. They're not getting any pressure to the quarterback unless they blitz. Right. Um, you know, so when I look at Clemson and Alabama right now, to me, Clemson's the more complete team. And I'm not saying this just because we're on a Clemson podcast and it sounds good. I'm saying this because my own eyes are telling me Clemson's a more complete team because if Clemson and Alabama played today, I got confidence Clemson's defense can stop Alabama's offense a few times more than what Alabama's defense can be able to do to Clemson's. How do you see it? Yeah, you know, I definitely see it that way. I think a lot of times we get caught up and the media gets caught up in the jersey or the name on the jersey. And you think traditionally that this team belongs. Prime example is when Miami, um, before they played Clemson this year, mm-hmm. everybody thought that, uh-oh, 
Clemson's going to be in trouble. There's Miami coming into town. You're not even taking the evidence of what Clemson has done over the last 10 years. And that Miami, although they have a rich tradition, that's what it is. But when a peak of hope comes through, everybody's saying, oh, my God, Miami. Mm-hmm. And then they play Clemson Tigers. They got busted up. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with other teams, too, with the Blue Bloods, you know, with the Michigan, with the Ohio State, with the Alabama, with, you know, teams in the SEC. You tend to think that they're better than everybody else even though the evidence shows that this team Clemson is probably the cream of the crop and they rise every single time, every single time in the last five years, they have basically rise. They lost last year to a very good LSU team, but that team has been in the championship four times out of the last five. They have won the ACC numerous times and they have proven over and over and over again that they're one of the top teams in the nation, but nobody buys into it. But if Alabama or, like I said before, Miami shows any glimpse of a good team, everybody tends to go a little crazy because of their tradition and what they've done in the past. But if we take the current history of it all, there's no doubt that Clemson is one of the best teams in the country, and I don't think anybody can uh, dispute that. But goes to your Alabama question, I think that Alabama has some holes on defense. And honestly, I think Georgia has this thing about Alabama that they just can't quite get over the hole. And then if you really take a good look at Georgia, they're not that great at quarterback. Mm -hmm. They're just not that great. You know, they got a really good defense, but I always say, man, I take a great offense over a great defense, and I'm a defensive guy. But I know what a great offense can do, especially especially if the team that the great defense is on and they have a so-so offense, man, you're going to get tired, and they're going to throw up some points. And for whatever reason, no matter what Georgia does, it seems like Alabama just has their number. Mm-hmm. Just does. I, you know, I'm not a guy who believe in jinx or anything like that. I just look at it for what it is. Alabama has Georgia's number and Georgia has yet to get over that hump. And I, I think if you look at Alabama, honestly, a, a good defense doesn't give up that many points. I, I'm sorry. They just don't give up that many points. You can say it's the scheme. The offense did that, but yeah, I don't think Alabama is supposed to give up. Traditionally, they don't give up that many points. So I, I see some weakness on that defense that could be um, can really be exploited. Yeah, and going back to your your defensive philosophy um, about how you need to have a good quarterback, and, and and I think that's been the difference when Alabama and Georgia played. I think Alabama's had the better quarterback in every game. Yeah. And, and, and when I look at Georgia, I saw a defense that got tired in the second half because – the backup quarterback, he, by the way, he's a third-string walk-on quarterback that's playing. Remember, he wasn't supposed to be the first choice, the second choice, or the third choice at quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, and so he's playing, and, you know, and so he and, – and kudos to him for doing the best he can, and, and kudos for Kirby Smart and those guys for having him ready to at least perform at a certain level until he plays in a game like that. And it showed in a game like that. It showed – He's limited. 
he's limited. Nick Saban pointed that out, and you could tell Nick Saban adjusted in the second half. He turned yeah. the ball over. He put his defense in bad situations, and the result was 41 points, and, and it happens. It reminds me of 2014 Clemson-Georgia game mm-hmm. when Clemson didn't have the quarterback play yet, and they struggled in that second half against Georgia. And even though Clemson had the best defense in the country that year, people forget they wore down in that second half, and Todd Gurley made them pay dearly. And Georgia ended yeah. up scoring like 21 points in that fourth quarter and ran away with the game, and it looked bad. It looked worse than it actually was because right. the Clemson defense just wore down. And yeah. um, I think the quarterback plays everything. And when you got two teams that even if you got a great defense, but if your quarterback is not where it needs to be and that offense is so-so and you're playing against an electric offense, we know what the end result's going to be. You're going to be I in knew trouble. that was going to be the end result. I knew you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, you're going to be in trouble. I think it was – Georgia was playing with fool's gold. I yeah. really believe that because they thought, oh, well, they beat Auburn 27-6, to but Auburn's not very good either on offense. Auburn's not very good. No. And so, you know, they were playing with fool's gold, and it, you just knew that was going to be the outcome. And you don't want to start talking too much. But it, to me, I'm with you. If Clemson plays Alabama, Clemson's going to match them offensively. Yeah. Clemson's got and the even, firepower, and they don't, I don't think they can match Clemson well, when it comes to certain things. Well, this is the one thing I say about Clemson. I mean, a lot of times you look at the personnel and you're thinking, mm, these guys are not really that big time. I mean, they're not, but they play extremely well within the scheme. Mm-hmm. They play extremely well within the scheme. And honestly, I think their their secondary is really good. Even though I thought last year was pretty good, these guys are pretty good. They can hold up pretty well. And that defensive line is getting better and better and better. And then when you add in a Tyler Davis, which I told you before, mm-hmm. was the key. Once once he got back, I felt better about the defensive line and what they can do. And this Murphy kid is as advertised, and Breezy <laughs> is as advertised. The one thing about Breezy, though, once he, once he gets technique down, Oh. He's going to – and once he understands that he doesn't have to make every single play, he's going to be – he should be a dominant player. And there's no other two guys as far as a one-two punch that's better than Trevor and Travis Etienne. In the country. In the country. Those guys are probably number one. If you're being fair about it, they're one and two. And I want to see this uh, political thing where, oh, well, they both play on the same team. Those guys should be number one and two as far as the Heisman Trophy is concerned. Tell me who's better than Travis Etienne at his position. Nobody. Nobody. Tell me who's better than Trevor at his position. Nobody. Justin Fields is really good. There's some other quarterbacks that are good quarterbacks that I actually even like. But I think Trevor is head and shoulders are better than all the quarterbacks um, in the NCAA. And they have been sleeping on Travis ETN for years. Yep. Simply, they've been sleeping on him. Now they're caught up, which people who have watched him understand that, man, this guy's one of the baddest running backs who've come out in quite some time. So um, when we talk about Clemson being the best team, it's hard to compete against that guy. And now Travis has added the catching the ball out of the backfield element of his game. 
he's even more dangerous now. And that's why the scouts are going to be like, you'll be foolish to let this guy drop out of the top 10. So when you got two top 10 guys on your offense, you got a pretty good offensive line, got some receivers that are developing and coming along, especially like what Clemson has as far as their tight ends are concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to be a top team to beat. They really are. And that kind of kind of bleeds into what we want to talk about next. And this game against Syracuse, I don't know much to talk about. As me and you speak today, the line has gone to 46 points. Uh, anyway, so it should. About, it, yeah, it we, really we, should be. And and we talk about how well how well this Clemson team is, how well they're playing, how good they are, and the potential to be how great they could be. So I ask, why are we watching this game this weekend? Does Syracuse have a chance? Can they be competitive in this game? You know what's amazing about Syracuse? You know, a couple of years ago, they they were the they're the only team to beat Clemson a, a few years as far as a regular season game. They the beat last Clemson. One beat Clemson. And then the and the and the year that Clemson won the national championship with Trevor, it was a dogfight. I mean, Syracuse seemed like a team that was on the rise. Mm-hmm. They do. And then I watched a game against Liberty. And it seemed like Liberty belonged in the ACC and Syracuse did. And I know Syracuse got a lot of injuries going on and there are some things in play that quarterback is out, but boy, they, they just didn't look very good. Their defense looked like they cannot stop the run whatsoever. I mean, they were just running simple zone plays and it was breaking out for like 50 yards they just didn't really look good on defense at all. And Liberty, this game wasn't even close. This game was in hand, no question about it. I'm sure it was disappointing for Syracuse. Uh, and I like the coach they have there, Coach Fabers. Is it Coach Fabers? Coach Babers. Babers, yeah. He know Babers, yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for him mm-hmm. because this is gonna. Uh, this is not going to be – this is not going to be a good. This is not going to be a close game. And usually, you try to respect the opponents. And I've always tried to be objective as possible when I talk about Clemson football or football in general or anything in general. I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. I don't see Syracuse. I think they will fight. You know, they're going to go in. You know, they're going to go in. They're going to try to fight. I just don't see them beating Clemson at all. I see that forty points spread as a good spread especially i mean everything is week by week you never know of course but if you saw the game against liberty and if that's what they're bringing to death valley then those guys are in some serious trouble yeah and then i think that kind of you know and first of all you know devito the quarterback he's he's out um out for the at least the rest of the regular season they've gone with senior rex culpepper who is not even close to being that kind of quarterback. He, he's he's not very mobile. He's ask him not to throw anything out in the flats. Yeah, and that and if he you, throws anything out in the flats, it's a pick six. Well, that's what I was about to say. You, yes. You're reading my mind, dude. I was about to say say that there's gonna be a pick six, maybe one, maybe two in this game. It, yeah, I, it's gonna happen because if he tries to throw on the outside, tries to throw off the ha- outside hash, unless it's like a quarterback, unless it's like a wide receiver screen, anything that's like. A comeback or anything out in the flats, he, he just can't get it out there. Yeah, and if you can't make that throw against Liberty, 
who doesn't even come close to having the teen speed Clemson has? Right. They're not making that throw against Brett Venable's defense. I can tell you that right now. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be ugly. It, it's, it, it, it may turn ugly. It may turn ugly. It may be uh, before the half where Trevor and, and Travis are out of the game. Mm-hmm. It, it may be one of those games because they um, – I watched the Duke game and I watched the Liberty game, and they just have a problem stopping the run. If you have a problem stopping the run, it's going to be a long day for your defense. I'm just saying. And, Liberty, and like you said, Liberty doesn't – is not even close to what Clemson has. And Liberty was opening up holes like you would not believe. And they were just – it seemed like they outclassed them in every way possible. And I'm sure for the Syracuse fans, it was an embarrassment. And I think this week is, is – it may be uh, taking behind the woodshed kind of game. It'll be like one of those – it'll be a game where you don't even want to discipline your kid, but you kind of got to discipline him. You know, or if you're a big brother, you're going against your little brother, just got to teach him a lesson. You know, you don't really want to teach him a lesson, but it's a principle about it. you got to teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I see this game going. You know, I don't think Dabo ever wants to pour it on anybody, but just on principle alone, you got to play football. You can't tell you guys to hold back. So, yeah, it, it's not going to be a pretty game. Yeah, and – as the thing that's that I feel sorry for the most is that Dabo is bringing up 2017 to his team. That that's the year they lost to Syracuse up in the dome. He's bringing that up as an example of why you don't rest on your laurels, why you yeah. come to play every game, and that's probably got their attention. And that's the worst thing Syracuse needs. Um, I don't normally when a spread is over 35 points. If I'm not a betting guy necessarily, but I would definitely never take the points and 35, you know what I'm saying? Right. I would, no way I would take Clemson in this. But considering all the injuries, considering the guys out because they've opted out. Remember, all three of their best running backs opted out before the season started. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, uh, taking then taking the injuries into, into account. And you take into the problems they had issues getting the team to come together when all the stuff started happening in the summer. It, that did not help with team bonding at all. You put right. all those in there and you throw them in the bucket. It does not equal a very good thing, a very good recipe f- for anybody. Yeah. And now, so I would, I hate to say it. I would take the 46 points. I would take Clemson in the 46. The plus. Yeah, I, I definitely take them in the 46. I think they're going to cover. Remember against the Citadel, they were a 45 point favorite or something. And they won 49 mm-hmm. to nothing. Now they didn't score in the second half at all, but they had the points pretty covered by halftime. I think this is. I think they got a chance to sh- to pitch another shutout again this week, and I guess we'll see what happens. Um, and and again, I ask you, you you played, you know, eleven years in the NFL. You played college football at Clemson. You played in some big games, um, at both levels. But you also played in some games where you guys were favored to win. That all you really had to do was just roll your helmet out there, and you were going to win. How hard is it for a player? to get ready for this kind of game when they know all they really got to do is just show up and they're going to win? Well, I think sometimes if you let the distractions get to you, then it could be a little hard to show up. But I always think that athletes want to compete no matter who they're playing. They want to play well. 
So I think when teams don't play well, they do, they, they do have that mindset, but I think the coaching staff at Clemson is not going to let them have that mindset. They're going to set the stage. And I think the players that are on Clemson team, they want to be great. That's what they talk about. And really just by their pure training and what they do, I've seen those guys practice and their practices are normally top notch. So just the training alone is going to carry over to the game. You know, I think as long as Clemson has good practices, they're going to show up and they're going to play well. And that's what we, we always thought. And I always thought as a player, I always wanted to play well. I always wanted to play well. No matter who the opponent was, who I thought that, oh, we're going to beat these guys, you still want to play. You still want to play. You still want to play to a certain standard that you have set. So although you think this game is going to be a laughter, and it probably will be, I think the guys at Clemson, they know what's at stake and they know what they want. And they're going to play to a level that is really the level they've been playing at for the last several years. So, yeah, Syracuse will probably be an easy win if we all truthful about it. But I, I think good teams always show up and they always play well. You, what was the one game that you can remember similar to this where you guys were this big of a favorite to win and maybe not necessarily 46 points, but, you know, 35, 40 points? You know, do you remember who and, and then what was your attitude going into that game, you know, going back to 21-year-old, 22-year-old LeVon Kirkland? Uh, we played Long Beach State. I knew year. you were going to say that game. Yeah, and they haven't had a program, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And right. you and you just knew that this was going to be almost hilarious, but it was the first game. That was the difference. That was the first game. So the first game, you're always a little extra hype. They gonna, had George Allen know, too, right? That's yeah, they had Allen, Allen, and they really did a more of a Sports Illustrated on him. You know, that game got more hype because of him than what we were as far as the team was concerned. He was getting all the press. And he's just like, man, we're gonna we're gonna annihilate this team. We're just gonna beat them up, and sure enough, we did. It, it, you you can tell that they wasn't even on the same level. They just wasn't. It was just like, wow. And they might have had a few good players there, but a team overall, you just knew that they didn't match up. And yeah, so that's the one game that kind of comes to my attention that. Oh, we're just going to beat these guys. Like, it was so you, – you knew it for sure. Even if you played bad, you knew that you're going to win this game. And just looking at Syracuse, you, you have a feeling that, yeah, it's, it's not going to be – it's not going to be pretty for those guys. They're going to have a tough time stopping Clemson. If they had a tough time stopping Liberty, yeah, I just don't see them stopping the Clemson Tigers and what, you know – any of our running backs bring to the table, not just Travis, but anybody brings to the table. By the way, LeVon, y'all won 59 to nothing that day. That, so. You know, I didn't, I didn't remember the score, <laughs> but I knew it was up there somewhere. I think we were like 40 points uh, overdogs. And yeah, that it was, yeah. I think we let everybody play that game. I think everybody played. I think the trainers, the equipment guys, they played too. Everybody played. 
They did, and and you guys crushed them. And just like I think what, what Syracuse is, um, what Clemson's going to do to Syracuse this week, man. But hey, dude, it's been fun. We got to get out of here. It's been a, been another great podcast, man. Uh, appreciate all the people out there listening. Again, keep downloading, keep um, rating it, and and keep leaving reviews for us. We do appreciate it. Tell all your friends about us, all your Clemson buddies. Let them know. Uh, about Levon doing his podcast here. I'm just on, I'm just going along for the ride. That's all I'm doing. So it's been it's it's a blast, man. Love talking football with you. We'll see you next week, buddy. Um, all right, all right, and um, everybody else, please keep listening to us. We'll see you on Inside Clemson Football with Levon Kirkland. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.